taking fire from both bridge lines. We were taking fire from everywhere. We sent 100 guys, and they had like a battalion, so we were outnumbered. It's not how you want to start a mission off. It definitely felt wrong that we were so highly trained, so well equipped, and so cohesive as a unit to be in such a bad position. This shouldn't be happening. I was scared, you know, like it was the worst thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. I didn't kid myself. I didn't tell myself that I was going to make it out of there. I don't think anyone is, is immune to the effects of war. It doesn't matter, you know, what your upbringing is, how tough you are, how badass of a seal you are. He said, I got to get out of here, I'm going to die. It was it was eye-to-eye -eye contact. I lost it inside. Not, not physically, but I was just like, I don't know what to do. I'm a warrior. I'm here to you know, make sure that all my, my brothers come, come back alive. When you decide that you want to survive, you have to make that choice beforehand, that whoever it is, if they have a weapon, they're going to die. I'm going to kill anybody I have to to get back to my kids. I think it's important that we tell these stories and that we remember that these men gave their lives for another man. That is a very special thing about, about who we are. Welcome to the Global Recon Podcast. I'm your host, John Hendricks. We have a very special episode for this week's podcast. Um, Co-hosting this episode with me is Chantel Taylor. Uh, she was on a podcast a couple episodes ago. And Chantel is a retired British Army combat medic. Um, and she's she was in the service for over a decade with multiple rotations in different capacities uh, to Afghanistan. And then went on to do a lot of security work uh, post-military. So she spent a lot of time in, in several war zones across the world. And um, she has a very interesting story. Uh, in fact, uh, Chantal is renowned as the first uh, British female army veteran in the history of the UK to kill an enemy combatant in close quarters. And, you know, that's not something she she boasts about or brags about, but it's I think it's something that's kind of significant and, and uh, worth mentioning. So on for this episode are two of the producers from a show that is premiering on Veterans Day on the History Channel called The Warfighters. So essentially what this is, is a collection of stories told by veterans on camera with reenactments. And from what I understand, a lot of the actors in these reenactments are veterans themselves. So it's pretty awesome. There will be uh, four episodes coming out initially. I believe they're each around an hour. And then in a couple of months, they may release some uh, some new episodes as well. Uh, it looks very good. It's going to be exciting. There will probably be some faces that you guys are familiar with. And I'm sure there will be faces that you are not familiar with. But all these stories are uh, really intense and kind of harrowing stories of uh, combat that these men went through. So before we get into that, um, in Iraq, uh, the the big offensive 
to retake Mosul has has been underway and uh from from initial reports it's looking like you know Iraqi forces led by the ISOF, which is the Iraqi Special Operations Forces, mixed in with American advisors, are rapidly taking back territory from ISIS, and uh, it seems that they have them on the run, and they're really kicking ass over there. So, obviously, we support them, we support the Peshmerga, we support the Iraqi troops, and obviously we support um, the Americans over there fighting Uh, They're fighting a good fight, and we hope everything works out. So with that being said now, here is the conversation that I had with Chantal Taylor and the producers of the Warfighters. Hey, what's going on, guys? We have a very special episode for this week's uh, podcast. Um, Co-hosting for this episode is Chantal Taylor. Uh, Chantal is a British Army combat medic with deployments to several places around the world that would include Afghanistan. Chantel was on the show prior, and um, I'll I'll pass it over to Chantel. She'll give a a brief introduction on herself, and then uh, we'll talk with our guest. Yeah, hi. um, It's great to be co-hosting this show. It's a very important show. Um, I'm a former British Army combat medic. I served in support of 16 Air Assault Brigade on combat operations to Helmand Province in Afghanistan and also um, in southern Iraq. Okay, so the, our two guests for today's episode, uh, one is uh, Mike Baumgarten, and Mike is a, a veteran. Got it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Mike is a veteran of the uh, 75th Ranger Regiment, and our other guest is Ray Mendoza, and Ray is a former U.S. Navy SEAL. Uh, guys, how's it going? Doing great. Hey, how's it going? Thanks, uh, thanks for having us. Yep. All right, so happy to be here. Yeah. So there is a. Um, so you guys are involved with a a show that's coming out on the History Channel on Veterans Day, and it is called the War Fighters. Um, so can you guys give the audience some uh, uh, brief details on the show, and then uh, and then we'll talk uh, backgrounds a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, even though this, this is Ray's baby, um, uh, the whole show is, you know, originally his, his concept. So, it, uh, last year, it, this show existed as, uh, live to tell, um, which we, we shot and then it aired, um, in January, um, we got four episodes in and, uh, <clears throat> you know, history wanted to, to make a few more. Um, and rebranded as the Warfighters, um, so there is some confusion with those things. It's all the same show, um, but but this show is uh, first-person accounts um, focusing, you know, at least this season on on special operations forces. Um, it's it's unnarrated, um, so everything you hear is is straight from straight from the source um, from the guys who were there. Um, and a lot of these stories are, um, while some are are you know, have some notoriety or are, uh, you know, have been made into movies uh, already. Um, a lot of these stories are just guys we know from the community. Um, and it's those, you know, platoon engagements where, you know, the media doesn't know about it, but guys have done, 
um, some really heroic, uh, amazing things. Um, it's just part of the, you know, showing the nightly grind, the daily grind of, um, what it's like overseas. And, and, you know, that's, that's the show and the recreations. Um, we hire, you know, all as much as we can veterans. A lot of them are special operations veterans, um, to, to do these reenactments, these recreations. And we try to keep everything as uh, accurate as possible. Okay. So, and and this show is is going to be airing on the History Channel on Veterans Day, right? Yes, sir. November eleventh, Veterans Day. It'll be a four hour special. Um, actually uh, hosted uh, by a friend of ours, uh, Bert Koontz, who's a uh, an ex uh, Green Beret and owns a company called uh, Peacemaker Trading, um, an apparel company. Uh, really good dude. Um, who is also he's also tied to another show that Ray and I did. Um, That'll also air on the History Channel on December 15th called uh, The Selection Special Operations Experiment. I think I got that title right. Okay, yeah. And um, yeah, and, and that, that show would involve like guys from different branches um, and, and civilians, right? Something like that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we basically uh, developed a 12-day course based off the selections from – uh, multiple special operations units. So, you know, SFAS, uh, which is Green Beret Selection, you know, you had RIP, or currently known as RASP for Ranger Regiment, um, to include some elements of Ranger School. You had stuff from from BUDS, SQT, um, added to the mix. And all the instructors are from across special operations. Um, and, and one of my, and we, so we put 30 people, 30 civilians, no military experience through this 12 day selection course. Um, and when the show airs, you'll see who, who made it, why they made it, you know, et cetera. But the, the key thing to this and even in warfighters is, you know, raise a seal. I'm a ranger, you know, given the laws of nature, we shouldn't even be friends or get along according to, to pop culture. But, but we do, um, you know, I've known Ray for years and that's what these shows highlight. It's, it's teamwork. It's all these guys from different units, working together as opposed to a lot of things, a lot of shows where they're, they're pitted against each other. Um, so it's just something we're trying to, to attack in a way. All right, cool, man. Um, so Ray, can we, um, yeah. can we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what motivated you to join the Navy? And then if we can talk about your career, uh, throughout, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I've always known that I wanted to serve. Um, I think it was just a matter of where and with who. Um, growing up, obviously, I joined in 97. You know, I'm 37. So the, the SEAL teams wasn't really um, as popular or it wasn't a lot of information uh, that there is now. So did my research, you know, kind of just being who I am, I think um, just a very kind of What's the word to use? Competitive. Um, I kind of just sought that out. Um, didn't again didn't know much about it. I think in boot camp, like they do a little video, and you know, they a, a seal comes around and shows this like old school video of what the seal teams are, and it it just caught my caught my eye, and yeah, so I just tried out, and you know, obviously, it was definitely uh, met a lot of like minded people, and I just felt that was uh, the place for me to be. Yeah, for sure. Ray, you um, you joined at an interesting time because I joined a year after you. And since that time, we've kind of been everywhere, haven't we? We've been 
in every sort of conflict from there, it's been a busy time. And so it was maybe an interesting time to join. Yeah, you know, for, for me growing up, I mean, uh, I kind of went through your standard Hispanic pipeline in Los Angeles. I was born, born and raised in Los Angeles, so um, I needed to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. It would, it would have been bad, but again, it was just, I, no, I, knew, I knew I had to serve and kind of give myself an opportunity to succeed and so yeah, that's that's exactly that's almost well very similar to my story, and it's kind of I say the military saved me, but I don't know what it turned me into. But it's not a bad thing. No, I know, of course, yeah, I wouldn't change anything. I think it was uh, yeah. the best decision <laughs> of my life. I was I was going to ask actually that um, I last year I covered the um, our version of that the SAS Who Dares Win selection process, and it was done for TV. And uh, seriously, the amount of work that goes in and the amount of work you must have put in, it takes a big set to be able to do that properly. And when people actually watch it, those blokes get beasted and they got, you know, seeing the states that some of them got in, it was like, wow, this is, you know, it was, it was kind of, they, they never made the exact standards because that would be unrealistic, but they, they, they were absolutely thrashed. And it was, I mean, I'd say it was fun, obviously, because I wasn't doing it, but I just covered them medically. Yeah, that that we actually worked hand in hand with that production company. Oh they, wow! Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. They reached out to us or not us, yeah. uh, Film Forty Five, to kind of do a, a U.S. adaptation of that. Uh, oh, Foxy and them, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, nice. It was, yeah, well, I look forward to it. Yeah, it should be should be pretty interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> having having witnessed it uh, first thing, you know, these people had no. No idea what they were getting into. No, so. no, and, and and the funny thing is, is watching the attitude sort of bleed out of them. You know, because even like <laughs> even if you've gone through like military, you know, arduous courses, you put normal guys into that sort of um, environment, and they think, oh yeah, I'm cool, I'm a bodybuilder, and it's like that's not going to help you here. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, a lot of them, you know, the resume was like, you know, I go to the gym. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a ninja. That's great and all, but that has very little to do with what you're about to. <laughs> do you know? Um, back back to obviously the what we're talking about um, the war fighters. I was really intrigued as to because a lot of things that people see on the news, you know, it, you know, we know as so, like soldiers or operators that is is it's tough, but you still manage to keep that humour. Did you have you managed to kind of get that into that so people see that we do laugh at the most stupid things and it's you know and it it's a brilliant sense of humour in the military. Yeah, there there are some moments where I think naturally, organically, uh, the humor will will surface. Um, unfortunately, a lot of these stories, you know, either a, you know one of their comrades has fallen, so it's you know we have so much interview footage. I mean, hours and hours, and we have to squeeze it into forty two minutes, and so it's it's challenging to when, when you're laying out a story and working with our story editors, which are are huge with this and helping us put this together, but you have to figure out like, all right, where can we fit this in? Does it make sense story-wise? You know, cause yeah. ultimately we want to honor the guys and we want to honor, you know, in certain cases, the guys who, who've passed and, yeah, and died. Sure. So, but uh, it, it does, it, it comes out sometimes, but again, like I said, it's hard to squeeze it in when you have so much material. Um, yeah, definitely. And, that, and that's the thing is it's almost, it, it does even, it comes naturally because generally, you know what I always find that when when guys are remembering that are fallen that it's usually at the end of that we go through the sort of motion of you know you're sad you're respectful and there, there are tears and then the, the one thing that gets you out of that is a funny story about the guy who fell you know and it's kind of it's quite hard to explain that to people because it's not it's just the way 
people are, isn't it? Yeah, there's just not enough words. It's, it's yeah. one of those, you have to be there type yeah. uh, scenario. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to be in the toilet scenario to understand that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, so, so It's the brotherhood of shared suffering. <laughs> so, Ray, did you, um, did you go straight into BUDS or did you serve in some other capacity before you went to uh, selection? Yeah, I went, uh, this is kind of a, a, a sore <laughs> topic for me, but uh, yeah, I actually went straight into BUDS. Uh, <laughs> I made it all the way to the third phase where I uh, got dropped for um, a weapons practical in third phase. It's kind of a, where we got to take apart, you know, three weapons. Anyways, I didn't make the time. I got dropped. I went to the fleet uh, to Okinawa, Japan for about three years. Um, and once the fleet gets their claws into you, they don't, they don't want to let you go. So it, it took a while for me to get back. Um I came back in 2002, graduated, and then uh, joined up with uh, Team Five at that point. So yeah, I, I did. I did some fleet time, kind of. So it's uh, it's kind of a yeah, long no, road for me to get no, there. No one likes a quitter, Ray, do they? <laughs> no, no, they don't. Uh, I mean, I, I did my time in the Navy, and you know, I, you know, I did it honorably. I, I didn't whine or complain. I, I did my time, and um, I, I just. It wasn't for me. Um, I gave it my best effort, and it was just what I experienced going through Buzz the first time with, you know, the competitiveness, the like-minded people that I was around. I just, um, I just didn't find that in the regular Navy. Not that they're not, you know, good sailors or they have quality people there. It was just I felt I was a little out of place, um, and I, I just felt I wasn't going to get what I, I wanted. Um, out of service but um yeah so so now these days people um so they didn't always have that the day where where you can just go straight into the navy and then go straight into buds like i think that's was that more of a recent kind of program or no it's always been that way i mean it's not as competitive as it is now with active valor and 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 all these movies coming out i think (laughs) um going into seal teams is, is very attractive so it's kind of a long line to get in where when I went in, it was, uh, I mean, there's a, it's just kind of a standard test that you have to pass. Um, as long as you, you met your ASVAB scores were good and your PRT scores were good, um, you could apply and then you would just go straight to butts. Um, so for the most part, it was kind of easy. I mean, not easy, but it was a, a fairly, um, you know, easy process, I guess. It just, yeah, because yeah. I suppose if you if you if you're driven, obviously you were because you went back as that second time. It's a, it's, it takes a certain type. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, when you show up, there's 150 guys, and you know, obviously everybody says they want to be a, a you know a seal or a ranger yeah. or whatever pipeline they're going through. But uh, when the rubber meets the road, um, yeah, yeah, you, it, it narrows down really really quick, and yeah, you see who really wants to be there, which. I was just a, it, was, it was selection and not opt yourself in. You know, it's yep. Hey, so um, so Mike, um, you served in in Ranger yep. Battalion. Um, can, can you tell talk about your story a little bit? Like, what what motivated you to join oh. the army and and uh, a little bit of your career? Yeah, uh, sure. Um, prepare to be bored. Um. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I grew up in, in, you know, suburban safety in, in Southern California and in a pretty well-to-do, uh, 
you know, middle class, upper middle class neighborhood. So, you know, life wasn't honestly too rough. Um, I, I grew up with a big, uh, big sense of history. I was obsessed with World War II as a kid. Um, and that's because my, my father's side of the family, my, my grandfather had, was a Holocaust survivor. Um, so that was a big part of, of uh, growing up. Um, was sitting around and hearing these stories. And, and so uh, and my dad wasn't even, my dad had to, was born in Panama because they, they hadn't immigrated to the States yet um, on their way out of Europe. And so I was the first first uh, generation bomb garden born in America, and and with all that added up, um, I knew that's what I was going to do from from a young age. You know, I remember like sixth or seventh grade, I was pretty much had my 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 heart and mindset on joining the military. Um, so as soon as I could, um, I joined the delayed entry program um, in in two thousand one. Um, prior to September 11th, and then I graduated high school in July that year, and and shipped off to basic training um, with the with the Ranger contract. And so what you can what that means is you go to basic training and in infantry school, um, then airborne school, and then you had your shot at uh, trying out for RIP. Um, and so that's what I did. Um, end up going to you know first Ranger battalion um 2002 and um did uh did a four-year enlistment there um ended up getting out for about 11 months didn't fit in too well um in civilian life and went right right back crying crying to to mommy uh the first ranger battalion took me back and i did another uh another six years um there 10 deployments total and you know my last two and a half years i i uh got stationed in san diego on a um, a billet where, uh, so Naval Special Warfare in their training command has a training cell and that training cell is a land warfare cell. Um, so I got stationed there as an instructor, uh, where I worked with Ray here and that's where we met, um, in 2010, um, during my instructor time working with, uh, Naval Special Warfare, um, teaching that course for my last, uh, two and a half years in the army. Yeah, that, that's, and then, that, no, yeah. I was going to say that's interesting, um, I don't think too many people are aware of that, but I, I've heard of Rangers being involved in the um, Naval Special Warfare uh, training cadre before. Yeah, there's 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 a couple before me. Um, there's even you know there's there's a couple ex Ranger civilian contractors over on the uh, the the SQT side um, where my side was training um, the actual teams um and it was a it was a great job you know um it really opened my eyes to to how other units uh, especially the seals who you know we were all fond of making jokes about how they worked and you know you realize that the the, the person isn't it's basically the same person one kid that becomes a seal becomes a ranger becomes a green beret it's all this, it's all the same kid you know we all just it's you know it's what what do you buy into what culture do you want to be a part of and that's really the only the difference and the differences are, are, are minor um but you know, I, I really do. Uh, I really did enjoy that that job. Yeah, it's it. You know, we the thing is, is you know, as competitive as we are, we're probably always going to talk shit about each other. But yeah. when it comes to it, we're all we're all working towards the same the same goal. You know, I I feel like a lot of that. I don't know that it, when you when guys get out, they still they want to make those same jokes and they realize yeah. that. You know, we're, we're just civilians now, and it's like you can 
probably move on with that shit. But, <laughs> but you never do. <laughs> no, you never do. And, you know, the joke's still about. I mean, both my roommates are SEALs, uh, which is yeah, kind of weird. But uh, Yeah, but that gets weird. <laughs> yeah. We win every time. <laughs> <laughs> so we're a nice dysfunctional family. Um, but, but yeah, that was, I mean, that was my time in service. I did 10 deployments, um, got out and went to, uh, I was going to college for archeology, span um, for a couple of years. And that's until, until Ray and my other roommate, Mark, uh, you know, tempted me with the, the offer of working in, in, in Hollywood, uh, a place I never, ever wanted to be, um, in a city I never wanted to live in. And here I am doing both. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't that boring, Mike, when you said about be prepared to be bored. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you got it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that exciting. There's people who are so. <laughs> so, Ray, how long were you in the Navy total? Uh, 16 years and some change. Ah. Yep. I bounced early. <laughs> Did you ever, do any of you two um, go into. You know, when I got out of the military, I went straight back to Afghan in the private sector because it was almost like, right, what do I do now? And then that, and I ended up in the, like I did then a further, I think, seven years in both Iraq and Afghanistan. Did you did you guys go into the private sector or straight into no, something different? I, I kind of uh, hopped right into this. I mean, with on the coattails of Active Valor, I kind of had these opportunities come across my way, which I was still trying to build while I was active. But yeah. When I, when I got out, um, I chose not to do that. One of the reasons why I got out was I have, I have a daughter who's 10 years old, which I really didn't get to see much um, yeah. while I was in the SEAL teams. So I kind of made a decision not to get back into that. I kind of wanted to be a part yeah. of her life as much as possible. And I felt that um, the job opportunities that were given would allow me to you know, start a new career and have a life with my daughter. So I, I chose not to go that route. But. I had a lot, a lot of opportunities to do that, but yeah, yeah, because it seems to be like that. That seems to be the next step for a lot of people. But you know, for the the stuff that you're doing now, obviously, let's hope that that sort of continues because this sort of work, the, the work that you're putting out there, is um, is is really um good. You know, it's really good for veterans. Yeah, I, you know, it uh, the the show itself. Uh, you know, we've got, again, like Ray touched on it um, in, our pro- in our prior conversation here. Uh, the, the emails we get back from the guys who participate in the show and, and their families are overwhelmingly positive and have helped guys, you know, transition a little bit better over to civilian life. Um, I've had, you know, guys that I serve with or knew, you know, message me or send me emails that weren't even involved with the show, but they, they cite the show as, as an example of like, Hey, you know, I, I don't know how to effectively explain this to articulate this to my, to my loved ones, to my family. Right. They have no idea what I'm talking about and nor do I feel that I have the ability. So what I can do is, is watch the show with them and they're at least going to understand a bit more than they did without seeing it. And to me, you know, that's, that's really what it's a huge part of, of the gratification I get from doing this is, those messages is helping guys, you know, explain and, and get a little bit of closure or whatever they get from it. But, but that's, that's the objective, you know, it is entertainment, but it's entertainment with a, 
with a more human purpose. Yeah, because I, th- I think a lot of the times I've seen this on, on other um, where, where soldiers are on documentaries and it's almost like you see, even though there are even though there's a camera there, they forget that that's there and then they, they actually start talking. In, in, in some ways, in some instances, it's the first time they've actually spoken properly about mm-hmm. those incidences. And that's that's quite, it can be quite shocking for some people because you see, you know, you see what you, what you perceive as these real sort of warrior men and, you know, they are human inside. You know, we all bleed the same. So to give that, to get that sort of understanding across on TV is, is very powerful and, and very important. Yeah, we are fighting the the notion of the you know the unfeeling, cold you know Terminator style yeah. special operator, um, which is silly. That guy doesn't exist. Right? Maybe maybe there are examples of that where guys just really they're unaffected by everything, and that's great. But um, a lot of us aren't. Um, and you still, you know, I don't think guys that aren't emotional do the job. Don't go into special. If you don't feel anything, it's rare that you go into a job where you have to be as passionate about it as special operations. So yeah, that itself, an example of, of someone that you have a lot of heart, obviously you go into to serve selflessly and, and do something that's incredibly difficult. Um, and while you are, you do have to compartmentalize uh, a lot of those emotions, thoughts and feelings, because you have a job to do in the moment. You know, how do you unpack that stuff afterwards? Well, the show shows that. And yes, many of the guys that we interviewed, that was the first time they talked about this particular instance. And that came out on camera. You know, I I sat in front of the camera and got interviewed for for an episode that involved, uh, you know, my my roommate got killed on on a mission and and several of my, my friends got wounded. And this was my buddy that I asked to go on the show. This is this was his first time talking about it, and, and it all came out. And yeah, that itself it was it was a pretty you know he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to come on knowing that it was his first time, but he did anyway because of how important it was. Um, and so that camera, it does something about sitting in front of that. And you start talking, and you just go, and all the memories yeah. come up, and it all it all just comes out. Whatever is in there, it just comes out. You know, it's weird that these guys. And, and this is about trust and about our, you know, Ray and I's reputation in respective communities that these guys are willing to trust us to do this. But all this stuff comes out, you know, they won't talk to a shrink, but they'll talk to us and they'll talk to this, this camera when we, when we ask them. And you have to hold that in, in the utmost respect and, and, and carry it um, very carefully because it is kind of a fragile uh, thing. Yeah, and and I think that that makes this even more special because if it wasn't if it wasn't you guys and if it was just people trying to get too much out of somebody, there is that trust thing, and they know you're not you know they're not this isn't just being put out there. Obviously, you have to want you want you need to have people watch it, but it's still the stuff that's being said is is delicate, you know, and it is it is it's, it's important. It's extremely important. Yeah, I mean, these are the living the living memories. Of, of guys and, and and it is important to capture that now I think when we're young where sure. you look at shows like like Band of Brothers um, which the, those interviews are, are one of the best parts of that series not not yeah. just the scripted stuff um, but we had to wait all this time and, and I'm sure there were interviews before this so I am speaking in generalities um, but to me, that was my one of my first experiences, aside from reading, is, is to watch these guys on camera that had been there. And it's there is a, a difficulty, I think, in, in, in a connection, right? When you see the old man 
speaking yeah. about, even though he the guy was, you know, they were 18, 19, 20 when they did that. For us, I think now it's important to capture and document these stories, um, given a, a contemporary setting and, and guys when they're still young, to connect with with our peers and with with the current generation or younger generations, so they don't just see or think that war is is this thing that's talked about when you're when you're 70 or 80. You know, I think we do need to talk about it now, and we do need to um, connect with um, civilian counterparts so they so they understand. Um, who we are and our reasons for, for doing these things. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and also, it's almost like we're in that that generation that it doesn't look like it's going to be stopping anytime soon, you know? So it's almost, it's okay to, to feel crap sometimes. It's, you know, it doesn't, we don't need to label everyone with everything. It's just, I think that's just normal. It's normal to feel like that. Sure. You know, you you go through something like, like that and uh, it's only normal and natural to have uh emotional psychological and physical repercussions from that you're not yeah you're not a, you're not a broken thing no but there true. there is a, an equal and opposite reaction for for those actions um, and it's hard to there's no basic training for getting out of the military right you spend all this no. time <laughs> physically and psychologically prepped for this job which obviously sometimes takes years uh, but when you get out you're in one day and you wake up the next morning and you're out yeah. You know, very, very little prep, you know, that I, I feel like when I got out the, the uh, one, my own ego prevented me from probably even getting the help that was out there or even seeing it. And that's a lot of guys. Um, but it's it's pretty flimsy when, when you get out and you face the realities, um, even just the cultural shock of realizing that you're out and nobody really uh, cares, um, minus your immediate family, that the, the, the world really doesn't care about what you did. Um when you think that, when you're in that job, you're the most important thing yeah. in the world and you're serving this greater, this greater good. And that's how it feels, which I think is even the disconnect some people feel from their families, like Ray saying he's gone and you know, he went back. He wanted to give his daughter time, even reconnecting with that, you know, is having that chance to do that. And I mean, that, that obviously changes everything for people because some people can't, you know, they struggle to, to get back into sort of normal society. Yeah, and you know it's it's interesting. I think you know it's important that you guys are doing what you're doing uh, for several reasons. But uh, one is, you know, after after World War One and Two, right? You know, it, it was a different time. It was a different generation. Society was a little different, and guys really didn't talk about their experiences. You know, like if you know whatever happened overseas happened overseas, and when you came home, you were you know you did what you did, your job or whatever. Uh, similar situation for Vietnam veterans, you know, um, it's like, like I, I've spoken to some Vietnam veterans and, uh, one guy told me he, he had a, a brother-in-law who also served in, in an infantry unit in Vietnam and they both got out around the same time. And he told me they never had one conversation about Vietnam. Like it, it was just, um, something they didn't talk about, you know? And, <clears throat> and then obviously with the advances in technology and, and the development of the internet, with social media and, um, you know, being so connected, like we were never connected before in history. Um, I think it's important that people can see like the, the realities of war, you know, like you said, uh, everything is like, you know, people look at it and go, oh, you know, it's sexy. It's, you know, you're a seal, you're, you know, you're jumping out of airplanes and doing all this cool stuff. But, uh, you know, there's a, a harsh reality to, to what war is, you know, and, and, um, 
I, that's why I think it's important that people can watch a show like The Warfighters and and see directly from guys who who've been in these situations and served in these units and and see what it's really like, you know, and and to kind of give a, a proper perspective um versus having some super duper uh, you know, Hollywood type of thing that's not realistic in in any way and and that would be the the standard for what people think of, you know. Yeah, um, you know, context is everything. Uh, so you got to look at where people get their information from or, or their idea, their notion of, of the war of the last, you know, 15 years. Um, and it's, you know, it's going to come from the media or it could come from from the guys that were there. Um, and I think that's an important part of, of really taking back the narrative for the conflict and at least introducing more context for it. It is is this show. Um, and, and the fact that it's kind of establishing uh, uh, its own standard um, for for telling those stories, uh, I, I think that's incredibly important. And how how was because um, obviously we're talking about you know tier one special forces guys. How have the community been about it? Because you're essentially and it's a good thing because you're you're taking the kind of mask off of some of those guys that you know, people see in, in pictures or, or different things. Do, are they, have they been really receptive for the show or? Yeah. I mean, we haven't got, like, like I said before, we, we haven't really received a lot of um, attention to the show. It's just been kind of in the, when we laid it out, we were, you know, rushed for time to, to get these things edited and it's, we didn't have a, a proper kind of media layout, but I, I've, for me, I have yet to receive any really negative, comment um I, I think most of the guys are pretty receptive uh i mean one of our approaches to uh, when asking these guys to do this is like hey it's not this is not an opportunity or a platform for for you to to you know pound on your chest and say how badass you are it's, it's very much to honor <laughs> the guys you served with and i think it's yeah. most it's easier for me to praise my brother or my comrade that i served with than it is to talk about myself i could talk about my friends all day yeah, uh, and, and so that's what we asked them to do is, hey, like, tell me about, you know, Rob Sanchez or Rob Guzzo, <clears throat> some of these guys who have passed and they can go on for days. And I think when we approached it that way, it's hard for somebody to say, hey, that's a bad thing. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be honoring the guys who have who died serving. Yeah. And that's the thing you do. You're doing it in a way that's. You know, because we've we've seen the the big films that have, are based on true stories, and and of, some of them have been, have been fantastic. But this, you, you're actually talking about guys that are there, so it's all the more poignant. It's even you're you're almost even going further into that. Do you know what I mean? You kind of to actually physically see these guys that have either been there or have, lo- have lost team members. That you just it's like taking it a stage further, you know, because you're seeing or you're hearing what they what they have to say, which is it's again extremely important. Yeah, and when you watch and when you watch the show, you'll see it, typically each uh, each episode will have you know it's narrated by three at a minimum three guys that were there, and they all talk about each other. And so at the end, you know, we get to know everybody because the other yeah. you know their brother is talking about them and so on and so forth. And so it's I think we get a better product, and you know they're they're more open to talking um well, once you pull on that thread it just kind of unravels and yeah <laughs> you can't shut people up <laughs> it's an amazing process to watch and, and you know yeah. we'll be sitting in a separate room and all the other guys are watching you know 
their comrade talk and you know that's it's it's a it's it's a good it's great it's it's good to sit next to them and and laugh and you know they tell a funny story about this person or yeah you know so they you know they all we all make fun of each other as he's talking on camera but it's it's a it's good it's 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 is it going to be it's definitely going to have some uh, peeling onions or chopping onions moments in isn't it i can feel it already yeah i mean there's yeah. a few episodes no matter how many times i watch them i no you kinda still do to, i have to go to the, the restroom so nobody sees me cry but um <laughs> some tear jerkers and we even with the new episodes we shot so that we worked on filming four new episodes this year we shot eight uh, last year, um, four of those aired in January. So there's there's four unseen episodes plus the four new ones we did. But in the four new ones, we we are tackling some some pretty sensitive subjects. Yeah. Um, Ray had mentioned Rob Guzzo, um, and this is a story you know, we're about veteran suicide, but it's about you know special operations veteran suicide. Um, and we hope that one, we're, we're we're approaching this issue you know head on, and it's something that. Um, I think not a lot of people like to talk about it. Um, suicide's always a touchy subject. Um, and I think to, while people are aware and, and doing things on social media to, to raise that awareness, this, I think this step in, in filming it in, in talking to, um, this young man's friends, his comrades, and, and not just that, but his family, his, his parents showing the painting the, the big picture, the entire picture of how this affects people and yeah. the factors that go into it from the guys that sat there and watched, um, who, who witnessed it, um, isn't an, an important task. You know, this isn't war isn't just about the gunfights, you know, it's about the second and third order effects. So on, on these episodes where, where lives are lost, um, you know, we talked to their, to the, to the widows, we talked to the parents, um, in order to to show the entire um, the the price of, of doing business, so yeah, because I, I mean, regardless of what anyone sort of says, there is a ripple effect, and you know that ripple effect mm-hmm. goes on to quite quite a few people. And I, I always think that, especially when it comes to to veteran suicide, it's it is important to speak about it. And you know, we and regardless of what someone's doing to raise awareness, I think that 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 can be no bad thing, you know. And it's um. Yeah. It is. It's a. It is a really sort of. It's a difficult subject, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. You know, especially when it's your. Exactly. Your, yeah. Your friend took their own life, or. Uh, you know, and a lot of this again, a lot of the, the material comes. It, it's from Ray and I, and, and from the guys, guys we knew, and, and that we asked to step up and, and do these things that they normally, they wouldn't want to do, you know, if some yeah. director or producer came up to him and asked him, I, I highly doubt they would, they would say yes. So, um, we, you know, if, if we don't do this correct, if we don't do this the right way, then, yeah. we, you know, it's not about careers or anything for us. I don't really give a shit. It, it's about doing right by these guys because they, they have placed the utmost trust and faith in us to, to tell their story correctly. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, one thing that's kind of interesting about the whole, um, you know, veteran suicide and, and, and dealing with post-traumatic stress is um, it, this isn't something that's new. You know what I mean? This this existed 
there's evidence of this existing throughout almost every conflict in the history of the of the world, you know. And sure. um you know, I think in World War Two they called it shell shock. Um in Vietnam they had a different name for it. But it seems that you know, there was like during World War Two it was there I think there's like a famous uh quote from General Patton who he was like telling some soldier who, you know, who was going through uh his his issues like to just suck it up, you know. And you know, the, the truth is, is that's really the wrong way to approach it. And I think now with this this age of connectivity with so many guys coming home from such a, a, a prolonged period of war fighting, um, I think the the reality of it is, is going to seep into everyday life for, for normal people, uh, for people who haven't served, for people who, who have no connection to the military. And, um, you know, like like with... with uh, you know, guys who served for 10, 15 years in the military, having a big social media presence. And then you can, you can get glimpses of, of, of what's on their mind, you know? And then, uh, like, like with the show you guys are doing, you're going to see and and hear some of these stories. And then, so then, then as a society, we ask the question of ourselves, you know, how, how can we approach this? Right. And, and what's the proper way to do it? And, um, I had a uh, a former 18 Delta Special Forces medic on the podcast a couple of episodes ago, and he he had really bad um, TBIs and and uh, PTSD that that resulted from his his brain injuries. And one thing that he was talking about was, you know, guys will get out, and 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 this he did the same thing, and you know they told him he had PTSD, and he was like, oh, you know, no, I don't, and and he got angry, and. You know what he said was, if you can't identify uh, your target or your objective, you know how can you fix it? You know if you don't know where your target is, how are you gonna get there? You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it, it's, I think it's something that we are closer to figuring out now than we ever were before because we it was something that was just, you know, written off like you know deal with it when you get home that kind of thing. Um, and then you know with with all the controversy with the uh. Veterans Affairs and um, things like that. So I think now, you know, with the culmination of everything that's happened, I think now we're probably closer than ever before to kind of cracking that nut, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're looking at a time where where, where it is, uh, there, there are more resources devoted to it. Um, the understanding has been expanded. And, you know, in times past, it was, you know, it was people looked at it as, as just an emotional state. And I think, you know, in the Civil War, they called it uh, lonely heart syndrome. Um, it's gone by many names. It's the same thing. Uh, but understanding that it's not it's not just a feeling that it is a, a a physical change to that person's brain, to their brain chemistry. Um, and it's not just, you know waking up and feeling like you're in a bad mood. Well, you've got to understand that there's a there's a chemical and hormonal reason for, for those things. And obviously, uh, I'm not a, uh, a doctor. I'm not a PhD. This is just based on limited things that I'm finally able to read. So, um, you know, I may well be wrong, but it, we, we are, it, it does need to be looked at. It does need to be studied more because it, it just goes in to when you go to war, you need to understand the effects, right? We, yeah. we, we often engage in, in conflict, um, and think about the, the repercussions later. Um, but I, if, if there was a greater understanding and understanding of the price, um, 
I, I feel like there'd be a little more deliberation um, and thought into putting uh, America's uh, sons and daughters in, in or any country, you know, in harm's way without realizing that you need to have the infrastructure to take care of them when they get back. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a small thing to ask. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you know, I, rem- I remember um, my first deployment to Afghanistan. I'd, um, it was, for me, it was completely non-kinetic, that one, because I worked in a hospital. And it was probably far worse. You know, the following tour, you know, I got into all sorts of shit. But mm-hmm. that tour was so, like, emotionally draining. And I remember um, an incident we'd lost two, two special forces guys were killed quite early on. And mm-hmm. uh, their, team, their team came in. And I was sort of, you know, standing around quite nervously because I thought, well, what, what am I going to say to these guys? You know, I was a senior NCO and I was dealt with, or I, my job then was to deal with guys coming in or COs coming in to identify guys that were killed. And um, I just sort of stood there looking at these guys that I would, you know, they were from all of our obviously tier one units. And they were, they, I knew that they were inside kind of, they were broken as, as they should be at that stage. But I also knew they had to go back out. You know, and I was like, well, you know, who's who's taking care of these guys? Is in that they, they would just because they had obviously missions to do. Their tour wasn't finished, and so they would mm-hmm. still do that same stuff, having to carry that. And I think that goes. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you. You know what your guys are saying because I imagine that's exactly the same feeling as what they had to do. So they, you lose team members, but you've still got to carry on. And you're strong enough to carry on. That's not the problem. It's when you actually get back and start reflecting on it. I think that's when the problems really occur for people and it's, you know, and I'm glad that guys are getting more help or that they're able to talk more about it. Cause it's, it was always sort of a, a subject where you were taught, even for as young, young men, you know, keep your sort of problems to yourself. You know, it's, that was just society, wasn't it? Yeah. It's actually a, a funny. You mentioned that it's a common thread through a lot of these episodes that, you know, we ask, you know, we do ask like, okay, what happened on the mission, but even more so, so, you know, the yeah. audience, the viewers can get bridge that gap. You know, as Mike mentioned, there is a human side to a lot of this stuff. And we would ask a lot of the hard questions and as simple as what were you feeling? Um, yeah. And I can only speak from experience when someone asks me how I'm feeling, I have and still do to this day a hard time describing that feeling unless you were there. Yeah. And, and when you ask them, you know, they always say, well, it, that's not the time to process it. You know, there's a there's a job to be done. You, we yeah. process that stuff later. And, of course, we naturally get into that question. Well, how did you process it later and after? And they go into that. And you, you see, you know, depending on your on the person and what they've experienced and how they were brought up, you know, there's different responses, which to me are one of the most interesting parts of the show because we, we all do process it differently. And um you will see that in pretty much every episode, which is, and they're all different responses, which is great because we're all different people and we yeah. all process things differently and in our own ways. And again, and that that point there about people processing it differently, maybe from different backgrounds, that's actually, again, that could be, for instance, used as a, a different type of tool when people are recruiting. You know, there's, there's all, there's so many things that could come from this show that will help people, help veterans, help you know, I, I really look forward to seeing it and seeing how that um, how that sort of pans out. That the ripple effect of the show, if you like, I like to see how that that works. And I'm quite glad that it's not getting what you say is loads of attention now, because that that almost makes it all the more special. 
Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's, you know? It's uh, this people is are gonna get pe- people will get shocked. They'll be like, "What the fuck's this?" And then it'll then it'll go crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the show is great. There's peaks and valleys. You know, you, you have the interviews are you know the most impacting to me, and then we have the recreations, which is this that's kind of this uh, the bang bang portion, the entertainment portion of it. And so, it's, yeah, I feel across the board we we've captured captured it pretty well. Yeah. And awesome. we, the the first four episodes, well, at least for when it the show existed as Live to Tell, they're still on iTunes, um, so anybody could watch those um, right now if they wanted to um, in preparation, uh, or if they've never heard of the show and they're interested now, you know, you can go to iTunes and watch those those four episodes. Actually, um, I think it's uh, I think History has posted those. I think you can watch all four on the, actually on the, so they might be free. On the History Channel. On the well, I might get them on the plane. Is history the History Channel on the plane? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I said, worst case, iTunes. Best case for free on the on History Channel website. Yeah, I'll um, download them for the the flight tomorrow. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so so you got four episodes coming out uh, in November, and then the other four are going to come out. Do you have a date for those? Uh, we do, we do not. I think it's projected January February timeframe. Um, yeah, we, we don't have a set date on that yet. But it'll be it'll be all it'll be all twelve episodes will air. Um, I don't know what format if it's going to be a weekly thing. I, I assume it will be, but the whole thing will air as a as a, as a entire season, entire series in that uh, next year. Wow. So if it's a success, I've got a question. Will you come over and help us do one in the UK? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's something we've talked about. I mean, it's cool. We're not the only ones fighting the war over here. So there's plenty, there's thousands of stories, not just soft, but conventional. I worked along, you know, some great conventional units and they saved, you know, my ass many nights. So, you know, <laughs> they, the, the reason we targeted soft is just because, you know, I have a lot of friends there. And, yeah, you know, sure. Yeah, I've been on I've been on that outer cord and many a time. Thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> so, absolutely. You know, we're definitely we would love to, you know, help facilitate that in any way, whether you know we're part of it or not. You know, doesn't really matter. But yeah, I mean, as long as you know, we want the show to do well, um, just because it means we get to tell more stories, right? If history yeah, renews sure. it, um, then that's that's twelve more. That's twelve more stories of people, twelve more stories that have never been been heard that yeah. that we're allowed to tell. Um, so you know, I'll, I'll, we, I know Ray and I would both love to continue doing this until, you know, as long as we can, telling as many stories as we can, not just from soft but um, conventional force. Ever, I don't care. You know, I'll tell. Yeah. Doesn't matter, and, you know. and that's the good, the good thing. I mean, even we've mentioned World War Two, obviously, and and since that time, we've had this alliance of the five countries, you know, Five Eye, which is what we have: the UK, um, US, um, New Zealand, Canada, and Australia. So, I think, you know, so, um, among the all of us, and even in the soft community, you know, we, we seem to go everywhere together. So, it's, you've got plenty of people there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, so um, so where can people go? Like, if, if they want to just look at like some maybe some write ups, like is there like a page on the History Channel's website or um, like what's the best place for people to kind of just uh, check out some information for the show? 
Yeah, well, they can start with history.com. Uh, I think they have uh, four episodes posted there, the first four that aired. Um, we have a Warfighters Instagram page now. Um, it's just called the Warfighters on Instagram, uh, where we'll, we'll show some behind-the-scenes pictures and clips and uh, just some kind of snapshots to kind of get an idea what the show's about. Um, they, they can follow it there as well. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be sharing, obviously, on Instagram pages, um, Global Recon and Mission Critical. We'll sh- obviously, we want to share and get this out there because it's, it's extremely important and hopefully it's going to be um, have longevity. You know, we'll see this for years to come. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you, yeah. guys, for yeah. your support. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Hey, no problem. Hey, guys, so do you guys have any points of contact on social media if anyone's interested, any of the audience is interested in uh, catching up with you guys? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, my Instagram is is bomb, b o m b underscore garden g a r d e n. Um, Ray Ray wants to remain anonymous. Um, That's not true. <laughs> yeah, if, if you want to see a bunch of like weird. Rick and Morty and Star Wars gifs. That's my Instagram. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So, um, you know, I want to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, you know, I really appreciate you taking out the time to do this, and uh, thank you for everything you've done for our country. No, likewise. No, yeah. thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, guys. Peace. Yeah. Right. Take care. Thank you. Great conversation with Mike Baumgarten and Ray Mendoza. Um, I cannot. I can't wait to see this show and you know from what i gather from talking to different veterans guys who i've podcasted with and stuff like that in some cases they've said you know this is the first time i've ever spoken about any of this stuff to anybody and it has a catharsis kind of effect on them which is like you know a positive uh effect on on their mind you know for being able to talk about some of these things so hopefully for some of the guys doing this show, it had a similar effect and being able to tell their stories and, you know, remember their fallen brothers and things like that. So now with that being said, I will close out this episode. You can check out the Warfighters on Instagram. Their profile is the Warfighters. Uh, be sure to follow them. Uh, it's a cool profile. They update regularly. And um, let's help them grow their presence on social media. You can catch Chantel Taylor on Mission Critical on Instagram. Uh, Mike Baumgarten's Instagram account is bomb underscore garden. And my website is www.globalrecon.net. My Facebook is FB Recon. My Instagram, I have Several, a couple of accounts. My first account is IG Recon. The second account is Black Ops Matter. And I'm also on Mission Critical, Mission underscore Critical as well. I have a Twitter. The Twitter is IG Recon. I'm also on LinkedIn. Just search Global Recon. I encourage all of you guys to subscribe, download, like, and share these podcast episodes with your friends, with your family, and help us. Uh, grow it and continue to stay at the top of the charts in the, on iTunes and the national and government categories. So with that being said, see you guys next week with another episode. Peace. <laughs>